You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hi, this is Jay Harwood. It's the first outside edition of Amazing Mets of my podcast. Sitting here in the fields of Cooperstown with uh, Cleon Jones and Ron Swoboda. Gentlemen, let me ask you one personal question. Have you guys ever gone through an 0 for 34 slump in your life? I've, I've had a couple that went and seemed to go deep into the 20s. I'm, I don't know I'm, if I remember 30, but I but How I about had, you, Clay? You ever go over 34? Uh, I can't recall. Uh, well, maybe it happened, but uh, thank God for me, I can't recall. Well, well, Gil Hodges <laughs> went over 34. Yeah. He, oh, first 34 times he's on the ballot for the Hall of Fame. He didn't get in. If memory serves me correct, he's the first uh, player on the writer's ballot. You get 60% of the votes three times and not get in. But we're here in Cooperstown finally, 15 years after Gil's death in 1972. Gil Hodges finally a Hall of Famer. And you guys are here for clear wisdom. What do you, what's your, you know, what do you feel about that? Well, in my opinion, uh, uh, Gil was a tremendous ball player. Uh, uh, he was a prototype uh, for first baseman. Uh, had a great career. And I, I don't think uh, going, over 32 should uh, define your career. Uh, and maybe it's the time that he went through it, doing uh, the World Series and the playoffs, that kind of thing, that, that he went through it. But suddenly, uh, to me, he was a Hall of Fame player because he was a prototype. And he would have been a Hall of Fame manager had he lived. How about you, Ron? What's your recollection? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, it, it always seemed to me, um, um, a corruption of the process that you either had to go as a player or as a manager right. and that you couldn't combine those two efforts and you know Gil lost a couple of years to World War II as a player so they were seasons you couldn't make up and of course his untimely passing uh, at, at the age of 47 uh, you know interrupted what was going to be a great managerial career um, you didn't have to extrapolate a whole lot in my book or combine those two things and what he was as as a person, as a character, um, and, and uh, as a leader uh, uh, t- t- to me, to, 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 to create a, a world, a, you know, a, a, a Hall of Fame guy. You guys have told me, Gil was a manager ahead of his times. What did you guys mean by that? I mean, one everybody really said that he was a manager ahead of his time. Well, in, in, in my opinion, uh, he, he, was, he was the greatest manager that I played for, uh, and I say that because I I played for Casey Stamos, I played for him, uh, and he was considered a great manager. He played, he managed great teams. Uh, Gil w- w- was good in the sense that uh, he was uh, a complete deal. And what I mean by that is that he was good with pitchers, he was good with position players, he was good with players that was on the bench. Uh, he inspired them to stay ready. Uh, if you, you never know when you're going to go in a ball game, and you know you never know when you're going to pinch hit. So you have to stay ready. So you have to have a mindset uh, to do that. Everybody knows that the 69 Mets was a platoon team. We only had four regulars on that team. So all the other guys uh, 
had to platoon and they had to have the mindset uh, to do that because you, you couldn't have a letdown when your, line, when your lineup changed. And, and that's what Gil preached. Uh, that's what he managed. And as a result, that's the way we played. And, and yeah, to, to carry on with w what Cleon was talking about, um, Gil was asked in something I remember reading about, um, are you a platoon manager? And he said, I am with this team. And he was referring to 1969. He platooned because that's what made the 1969 Mets the best they could be. And, and you know, in this age of analytics now where so much is, is in graphs and uh, statistics, Gil had all that in his head. And he was, as a manager in-game, always ahead of the game, always ahead of the game. And, and um, uh, when I was writing my memoir, I remember going back and looking at all the play-by-play -play sheets from 1969, all the decisions he made in-game. And it was astounding and, inc and incredible how on he was. And, you know, you know, he knew how you were going as a player, how, if you were on an upswing or a downswing, and that had a lot to do with the moves he made or did not make. Clear, in your book, you have a book coming out on August 2nd, Coming Home, and one of the things you talk about, and I'm is correct, in a game, a doubleheader against Houston, we were going badly, and... Mm -hmm. Gil came out to left field to talk to you. It was a ball fell in front of you, and people misconstrued it to think that he was yelling at you. But, but why don't you tell about the conversation that actually took place that day? Yeah, well, I, I'd like to begin by, by saying uh, Gil uh, was, was a personal guy. Uh, he, he, he wasn't the type that yelled, <clears throat> and he, he wasn't the type to disrespect a player uh, situation. Uh, but he was one that uh, wanted everybody to understand that that was a need. And we were getting our tails kicked by, by, by Houston. Uh, uh, the field was wet. It had been raining all day. And, and uh, I had a bad ankle. Gil and I had talked about it in Montreal. And I said, as long as I'm not hurting the team, I, I want to stay on the field because I'm swinging the bat good. And we agreed on that. But Gil saw something else in this ball club. Uh, he, he looked around and he saw that nobody was concerned about what was happening. Uh, and that bothered him. <clears throat> so he, he, he sort of gave a wake-up call to the entire team. He used you as to Well, he used me uh, uh, for the wake-up call because it was a perfect situation. It was a perfect situation to get everybody's attention. I, I'm, I'm leading the league, I'm leading the team, and, and I, I'm a team leader at that time. And I uh, said, well, if I can, I know Jones can handle this. I'm, I'm, I'm putting myself in his position now. He can handle this, and we can get through this, but we have to get through to this other guy. It worked. Well, it worked for me, <laughs> I'll tell you that, because uh, oddly enough, Jay, and this, this is, uh, you, you know, I was the player. That, that he substituted for Cleon when he, you know, took so long to take Cleon out of the game. And there was a message transmitted, boys, you better wake up and look like you're a little worried about this. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I actually got hot and played on from there, so. Somebody, Buddy Housen, I told me the story, he walked out to left field, 
and everybody thought he's making another stop, and he kept walking and walking and walking. It's like I thought he was going to take the pitcher Right, up. that's what they said, yeah. And he walked by the pitcher, and that's when Buddy said, he said, and when he walked by the pitcher, he said, what did I do? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay. and then okay. when he walked by Buddy, I said, what did I do? <laughs> but, right, it feels, you had your... It, ups, not, not ups and downs. If he got on, he. Oh, I think ups and downs would be it. Yeah, <laughs> we had a fractious relationship. Yeah. I didn't handle authority very well, yeah. and that was on me. I, I my immaturity, and maybe uh, thought I thought I knew more than I knew. But uh, Gil and I uh, graded on one another, and that, as I said, that's on me because all he ever wanted you to do was get yourself ready, make yourself into the best player you could be, and maybe go out there when you needed to or when he wanted you to and, and see if you couldn't help the New York Mets win and, and act like an adult. And I could do some of that some of the time, but not all of it all of the time. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. He wasn't a McMeanings guy, right? No. He didn't meet. But, but uh, I think uh, Ronnie put, put his... Uh... Uh, his hands on the pulse uh, when he said he wanted you to be an adult, and that, that was on the field and off the field, because we had we had dress codes. Nobody else had dress codes during that time, but when we came out of our our, our, our room at the hotel, we had to have on a jacket, and most of the time all of us had on ties, but you had to have on the jacket. So he 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 uh, he wanted us to be professionals on the field and off the field, and he wanted us to to be a team because uh, when, 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 when you put in motion uh, the things that a team should do to win and you, you preach and practice that every, every day, somehow everybody gets a message. But it, 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 it took, to, in my opinion, uh, that day that he came on the field uh, and pulled Cleon out of the game, that wake-up call uh, was loud and clear. To everybody, because all the talk at that time was, well, maybe he'll come to get me <laughs> later. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I, I was never embarrassed by it, because we had had that talk. Uh, no, uh, uh, I didn't try to explain to anybody what had happened, but deep down in my heart, I knew what what happened and why it happened. What, what was it talking the locker room after that game? I mean. I guess we was a double-headed loss that day, right? I mean, well, you know, this was if you look at if you look at what the Mets did against the Astros in 1969, we were just we were their whipping boy. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they beat us 10 out of 12 games. We I think we won the first two and lost the next 10. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we made uh, we made uh, ourselves look silly playing. Uh, playing the Astros. They beat us up. I mean, they didn't just beat us. They beat us up. And I think that got in Gil's crawl. At, at a certain point in time, you know, um, he, was, he, was, he was thinking, I got I to gotta give a message. And, and he wasn't big on clubhouse talks. Um, most of what you would, you know, most of what Gil felt about things would be in the way he, what he would do as a manager. 
You you knew you knew where you stood with him at all times. Because let's meet you. Uh, you know, si uh, sixty years of Mets baseball. Uh, your championship is probably one of the most iconic championships in basketball, football, hockey. You know, and and, and sixty. You know, so it's sixty nine. Uh, what, 31, 53 plus years later, that you guys are still held in awe. I mean, it's not the normal championship. What's it mean to be remembered, be, being a part of a team like well, that? Well, it, it's, it's certainly uh, great uh, to be the first. Uh, it was the first win. Uh, and my, my, my wife uh, always put it in a delicate manner uh, seven years of perfection. It took us seven years uh, to win our first World Series. And <clears throat> When you go from the bottom to the top, uh, and that left the time, uh, it, it speaks to the organization. And I tell every, everybody that uh, uh, the organization is not just on the field. It's the entire organization, from, from, from the front office to the field, and everybody in between. Uh, that's how you win championship, and that's what happened to us uh, in 69. Yeah, and I think the uh, sort of uh, unpredictability of it. We we had come from a team so lightly regarded, um, you know, even at, in 1968 where, you know, we were still under 500, but uh, we were starting to sneak up on respectability. But we really, I think, vaulted into, in, into respectability and relevance in 1969. That, and it happened during the season. It, you know, we we started out just kind of hovering around 500, which, in 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 the in the overall look at the franchise, was improvement. But no we question. weren't but we weren't astounding anybody. And then all of a sudden, the end of May into June, that team reeled off 11 straight wins, and and uh, we beat the California teams at Shea in a series. Uh, all three of them, and then went out on the road and continued it uh, uh, in California. And, and that's when the team picked up, made the deal for Don Clendenin. That, they made it after that run because we kind of opened their eyes a little bit, but it happened very quickly. Kind of the, uh, the old-time Keith Hernandez trade, right? I mean, somebody... Well, it, it really was. I mean, you know, Clendenin, not only as skill-wise, was a guy who brought power, uh, but he brought personality as well to the clubhouse. He, he was a guy studying to become a lawyer, and he was what they called back then a clubhouse lawyer. He had a little bit to say about a little bit of everything. And, but he was the only clubhouse lawyer I ever knew that went on and became a lawyer and practiced law. <laughs> so let me ask you about your book again. You know, coming home, um, after you stopped playing, you could have stayed in New York, endorsements. What made you go back to the Mobile with Angela to, 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 you know, to help rebuild the, the you know, Africa town where you lived? And uh, well, my, my, my career uh, was handed to me on a platter by my community. And, and most people won't understand <clears throat> what, I'm, what I'm saying or what I'm getting at. Uh, I came up in a community uh, with a lot of, lot of talent, a lot of uh, players who I thought were much better than me, uh, much better than Tommy, uh, that could have played in, in, in the major league. So it, 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 it propelled me to be uh, a better player uh, and to understand 
that the sky's the limit. You know, uh, a lot of guys get around, they brag about, you know, I can do this, uh, I can do that. But they're, they're just uh, borderline players. But when, 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 when you don't have a limit and the sky's the limit, you keep pushing. And I think that's what happened to me. I wanted to prove to my neighborhood that they produce uh, a quality athlete and, 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 and a quality uh, major leaguer. And nothing was going to stop me from doing that. So my, my neighborhood was my inspiration. Uh, you, you know, it's good to have a family that you're playing for, and it's good to have a brother or sister, uh, even a close friend. But when you're playing for a neighborhood, that, 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 there's no time for letdown. Uh, you, you, that's in the back of your mind all the time. And you, 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 you're trying to prove uh, a point that a, a boy named Cleon Jones can come from Plateau Africa Town and become a major league player. Right. And that, that was always out Pushing front you forward. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. your book, what I read, uh, you know, everyone talks about the catch in the World Series. You know, I guess it would be fair to say you weren't known for your defense. Is that pretty? I, I, um, I uh, conventional wisdom did not uh, <laughs> describe me as a um, as an uh, above average outfielder. But you know what people say when you have a remarkable year, weird things happen. Against the Cardinals, uh, Steve Carlton strikes out with 19, 20, I forget what it was. 19 guys. And it you, was a major league record at the and time. And you hit, well, you struck mm -hmm. out uh, twice. You had two two-run homers in a game. And the night before, Ralph, the late Ralph, dear friend for all of us, had given you some batting tips. Day of the game. Day of he, the game. He had worked, yeah, day before, really. They had, a, they had one of the few batting cages right. and one of those wheel machines that flipped the balls to you. And I just asked him to go to, I was just, you know, and that was a makeup game. And, 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 and I asked him to, uh, to if he would um, uh, work with me a little bit. And kind of got me going. Uh, you know, Ralph had a good feel for it. I should have spent more time. Two things. I should have spent more time talking to Ralph and having him uh, work with me as a hitting coach. And I should have listened to Cleon Jones, who, who technically knew more about hitting than, than anybody on that team. But is it fair when in a, in a championship season, like this current Met team, I think got seven runs in the ninth inning one time, five in another, to, to come back when things like it happened, caught and strikes out whatever and we still win the game well right? you know nowadays you know where guys you know it seems to be a little bit of a change in baseball this year and in 2022 where you you seem to see more teams um the mets among them and san diego whom the mets are playing right now uh, have taken on a little more contact attitude uh hit the ball the other way uh two strike approaches um where they're trying not to strike out, where they're trying to make some good solid contact rather than, you know, launch the ball at an angle that maybe it leaves the yard. I'm seeing more of that now in baseball, but back then that we just tried to hit the ball. Clear, my memory's going bad in my old age. The ball on the wall, that was 73, right? Not 72? That's 73. Another weird thing that happened was the Black Cat game. We're playing the Cubs. You know, the Cubs, we have been chasing them, and. In the middle of the game, or the first inning of the game, Black Cat wanders in front of the dugout and steals at Leo DeRocher, mm -hmm. some of the other guys in the dugout. What do you remember about that game? Well, I, well, I remember it. it uh, <laughs> they kind of put uh, Leo DeRocher on, on stage. 
Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I tell you, when, the, when the cat came out across the field, and uh, we were playing the Cubs, and, and uh, uh, everybody thought uh, it was because of Leo that that happened. We, we, <laughs> I, I, I'd never encounter a cat at the stadium before that night. There were a lot of them, though. Yeah, yeah, there there I, are yeah, a lot of them. And there was a lot of rats, too. Yeah, I, 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 I remember, uh, I remember yeah. hearing Don Clendon tell somebody, yes. some uh, a media person, that, that we, we had actually trained the cat. And it's <laughs> like, no. Yeah. no, no <laughs> it just no. came out, and the cat was utterly, utterly terrified in, yeah. in, onto the field. But the cat, like it looked like we had trained him to run right in front of the Cubs' dugout. And, you know, it was it was uncanny, and and those were very compelling series uh, with the Cubs in '69 because that was the team eventually we had to beat, right. and and we had a struggle, uh, you know, staying with them. They had a six-game lead or so, and into you know going into August uh, where we uh, where we we just we were playing great, uh, and we couldn't catch them. And, uh, you know, the black cat came out, and all of a sudden their fortunes turned. Now, I think it was more they 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 just hit a lull. Yeah. At, at, for about 10 days, they hit a lull, and they were a four-man pitching rotation with one guy in the bullpen they could really depend upon. That's that's skinny. Yeah. And, and, and that's, what, that's, that's what we mean when we say uh, Gil Hodges was a total deal uh, as a manager. Uh, he protected his, his, his staff. Uh, he, he didn't uh, uh, overuse any uh, reliever. Uh, uh, he put guys in. He took guys out. When 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 you uh, the Cubs, you the Cubs, you got two or three decent starters, but you got one man, Phil Reagan, uh, in the bullpen. Who works for the Mets now? Yeah, right, right. <laughs> so so so. Uh, uh, you, you you use him, <laughs> well, you know the old saying say, I don't mind you using me, but don't use me up. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, what he did. He used him up. What, yeah. What does it mean for you guys personally to be here in Cooperstown on a day to Gil? You know, our champs again at Greenpool joined us here. What does it mean for you guys to be here to witness this long overdue selection? Yeah, I'm I'm tickled to death. We saw Gilly um, uh, Gil Jr last night for a, a brief period and and uh, he all smiles and um, you know you you were very instrumental in in sort of directing us in a in a bit of a well, campaign we all together you, was a good well team you ever. pointed us every time there was a writer or someone uh, who who wanted something on what we thought about Gil Hodges as a Hall of Famer uh, future Hall of Famer we we made the best case we could make at, at any time, anywhere that anyone asked. And, and, you know, I didn't have a great deal of trust in the process. I felt like the fact that he wasn't in the Hall of Fame was, was an indication that the process was all wrong. Right. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. And, and uh, you know, uh, eventually it, it got in front of the right people. 
and and he was honored in a way that he should have been honored a long time ago in my book. So so we're we're over the moon happy at 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 this whole situation. Well, my, my thing is that uh, uh, he, he died at a young age. Uh, uh, Gibb would have been again a Hall of Fame manager. The Mets would have been a more successful organization. Right. Uh, with with Gill and Johnny Murphy and all those. Uh, he. Uh, always put the right pieces in the right places. Uh, that's the mark of a good uh, and solid manager. Uh, he did that with, with minimal talent. Uh, that, that, that was, we had a great pitching staff, and we had great arms, and we had uh, guys who had uh, uh, great arm strength and that, that, those type of things. But he managed them in a way that uh, he brought them along slowly uh, so that they, they, they could be of use in the future. Uh, that's a guy with a plan. He had a plan to make this organization one of the best that it could be. And it would have happened had he lived. So uh, again, he would have been a whole manager had he lived. Uh, this organization, uh, uh, again, we talked about 69, was practically put on the map uh, because no of that ball no club. Question. And, and I want to Cleon was a part of a, 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 an example I would make of, of, of Gill's creativity. Um, we're late in an extra inning game, late extra inning game against the Giants in Shea Stadium with Willie McCovey up, and we got like a one-run lead. Tommy Agee had hit a home run. I think we had a lead, and the Giants were threatening. He put four outfielders out right, there, just, and 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 Cleon moved from left field into kind of left center, and McCovey, I think, was the hitter, and he banged it up against the left center field fence. Nobody would have gotten to that ball if Gill hadn't rearranged it. Now, um, he couldn't predict that was going to happen, but it was like we're not going to have any doubles here, and 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 so he when he needed to be creative, uh, Gill was very creative and very and and. and uh, um, and I, I think, uh, as a manager, it was all dictated by the game. Nobody was on the game. And we all understood what he meant. I played for Gene Mock, who, you know, everybody recognizes as a, as a genius. But his genius sometimes could elude uh, the players in the sense that they didn't quite understand all the time what he was trying to do. You know, that's not a negative uh, in the sense of... Uh, you know, it was up to you to understand it. But when Gill did something, you understood exactly what he meant, whether you agreed, disagreed, or otherwise. Yeah, well, you understood what, what was happening. But it seems like to me, I, I was always in the midst of these movements. <laughs> <laughs> because I, I remember there was a time when, when uh, uh, we, I forget who we were playing, but he brought me in from left field uh, between first base and Filled up the infield, mile, yes. Because uh, 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 there was a possibility of a bunt to move the run over. So uh, I'm right there. Uh, the guy can swing and hit a line driving. But th that told me one thing, that uh, he, he appreciated my ability and my skill that I could, I, I could, I could handle that. I could make the play uh, if that was a bunt. To get the double play, I get at least get the force runner. That uh, even though I was outfielder, I could make those kind of plays. And, and that that happened three or four times during the course of the year. And that shows uh, his genius, as I I, I see it, uh, of his talent 
to handle men's and to put men's in the right position uh, to be winners. Guys, last question. Uh, August 27th, first Old-Timers Day game in 22 years, 65 guys coming back. You guys going to want to play, watch, play? Well, I, I, I want to play. Look here. <laughs> and uh, my mind said, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but when I stand up uh, and I, I got to wait till I gather myself to make the first step, right. I don't know if that's wise. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I got to go back home and do some work. Yeah. And uh, if you, I'm not around, <laughs> the work yeah. seems to be done. Well, so let's see. Ronnie is eager to play. The yeah, um, yeah. Uh, but so, I can't go out and play. Uh, I don't yeah. think you don't want to get it bad pitch hit pitch run. Um, no? Maybe if they if they promise to soft toss it up there, I might be able to take a couple of uh, ugly looking hacks right. at it. But one of the guy Frank Thomas, an original man, 1962, 90 years old. He had a home run in the Polo Grounds. He had a home run in Chase Stadium. He says his goal to hit a home run in City Field. You think he'll do it? Well, uh, I, I know Frank Thomas, uh, the real Frank Thomas. I think he'll try. Yeah. <laughs> he was a pretty try. good hitter, but yeah, I'll tell yeah, you what. Yeah. I got a picture of the, of, of the aftermath of Bobby Thompson's home run that right. won uh, the, the playoffs in the National League for, for the uh, Giants back in 1951, I believe right. it was. Right. And, and um, uh, Bobby Thompson came to an old-timers game and and hit a home run at Shea Stadium as an old timer. Really? And I'm sitting next to Tug McGraw, our great and famous left-handed reliever. And Tug, who came from San Francisco area, said he got he did the he did the Russ Hodges call. Yeah. The Giants won the pennant. The Giants won the pennant. Uh, I don't think we're gonna. You're not gonna see yeah. any of us '69 guys you know, do anything do, like that. This is what I'm trying to work at a first pitch. Jay Hook who won the first game for the Mets in, in April of 62, throw to Mike Piazza. Jay's kind of limbering up. He wants to gear up for one pitch. Might be a little bit behind on plate, but that would be the ideal first pitch. Wouldn't that? Jay hooked to Mike yeah, Piazza. Yeah, yeah. But, well, but, Jay, Jay is about 86 now. Yeah, he's a youngster. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, he's an engineer. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah he, but, he understood the physics of a curveball, somebody said, but, you know, Understanding the physics and throwing it are two different things. Well, guys, I appreciate your time. It's, be, it's a great weekend, uh, and I'm glad we got to this point. Thank you, Jay. We're thank glad to be Cleon. here. Well, thank you for having us. Thank you for Pleasure, having Ron. us. Pleasure, uh, Ron. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you guys.